Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. Father, we thank you today for Logan City Council. We know that the word says that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and that he turns and directs the heart of the king. And just like that's so, the heart of all those that serve in the government, we thank you, Father, that their hearts are in your hand. We thank you, Father, that you can turn lights on, that they can have wisdom and direction from you. We thank you that you can turn lights on to corruption and reveal it, uh, wrong motives, agendas. So, Father, we lift up Logan City to you today, and we thank you that you cause Logan City to be blessed in every kind of a way, that there's light shining there, Father God, and we trust you with that in the name of Jesus. Uh, amen. Lord, thank you for the word today. We, we thank you that as we minister your word, that you help us to minister your holy word. Your word is holy, and we thank you as we open it and look into it. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> today, we're going to continue with our glad you asked. And so here's the question uh, today that we have. <clears throat> what things please God? How do I know I'm being rewarded by God? And how do I know if I'm being pleasing to God? And really good questions, and I think so many people have that question. Not only even, even in the church world, there's people out there that wonder these kind of things also. This is so big that we could teach on it six years, in, I mean six years, six weeks in a row. <laughs> got, got mixed up there. And, and it would still be hard to cover it in six weeks. So we're not going to do a six-week series on it, but we'll just give some things out today uh, to answer these. Before we give some things out about what is pleasing to God, let's talk about some false indicators. Because like these, there's things that sometimes we think things are pleasing to God, but they're really they're false indicators. So let's look at a few of them. Here's the first uh, thing, that it's a false indicator, uh, and that's our feelings. And you know, you can have one of those moments, and we've all had them, and thank God for those moments where something really wonderful happens, and you're really like, you're, you're touched, you help somebody, and they're touched and blessed, but you get so touched and blessed, and at that moment, you feel good about it, and you feel like you please God, but then you wake up the next day, and that seems like it's a really far along, <laughs> it happened long ago, and you're just not really feeling like this day that you're pleasing God. And so we, we know that feelings change, and feelings are not really, it's, they can be a false indicator whether or not we're pleasing God. Here's another one, that the amount of time versus the quality of time. And so uh, it isn't always how much time, it's really the quality of time. And so that's, it can be a false, you could, you could work yourself to the bone, and you could be doing the wrong thing. <laughs> Something that really you weren't led by God to do, but you can, sometimes people run to meet needs, and that's really not where, you know, there's a lot of needs out there, and so you can't meet every need. So it's, it's good to be, as we heard from Pastor Hagen a couple weeks ago, to be led by God and to use your time the best way you can. So the amount of time is not always a true indicator whether or not you're pleasing God. Another one is the nobleness of the work. And so, you know, there's some things that we would feel like noble, like we would feel, it, they would make us feel good. 
Sometimes you can do that with a mission field where you think that you want to go on the mission field because it's noble. But we've had many stories of people that have gone on the mission field because they thought it was no noble, but they got whipped on the mission field and came back pretty beat up. So you don't want to go on the mission field just because it's no, uh, uh, noble and that's not really an indicator that you're pleasing God. You want to be sent by God. Then another one would even be the bigness of the work. It can be a false, like sometimes we think we got to do something really big and impacting signs, wonders, miracles, and really uh, everyone would know who we are and then God's pleased. That's a false indicator. That, that doesn't mean, uh, you know, that you're pleasing God and you can actually have an ambition to do all those things, and God's not impressed with ambition. You know, he, he's impressed when he gives us vision, and it's his vision and we follow it, but ambition is a lot different than vision. And then another one is the position or title associated with the work. And so, you know, we can all, we're the body of Christ, and we all have an anointing to serve God, and we can do that without a position or title, God does give positions or titles, but he's the one that gives them, and we don't have to go after him. So here's even some scriptures along that line. In Mark chapter 10 <clears throat> and verse 42, it says, So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So let's say this first. The Bible says uh, we're honor, you know, wherever the honors do to give honor. And so when we read this, this doesn't mean that we would have an attitude against somebody that has position or authority. I was raised by a father that taught me to, to respect people that have position and authority and, and to honor them. So we honor people that have position and authority, titles, that they earn things, and, and they're, so that, that's a good thing to do. But what this scripture is, you know, uh, it, it's in the same way, it's not telling us to go hide and be really timid and, you know, like we're, we're just like hiding ourselves. It's not saying that either, okay? This scripture is really about motives and attitudes. It's like about why we do things. And so basically, you know, everything that Jesus did, he did because he wanted to serve. And he made himself a servant to everyone. That's about motive. It's about why we do things. And God looks at the heart and the motives of our heart more than anything else. So somebody can have ambition to do something really big, and they might do it. They might accomplish something really big, but God was never in it. And God, at the whole time, looked at the motive and the reason why they were doing it, okay? So we could say that Jesus did everything, all things, with the right motive and attitude. And here's the thing. Everyone in the world knows about, well, not everyone, but let's, let's say it this way. Jesus has been the most talked about person out of anyone in the world, and he will always be that all the way into eternity. So he's the one that said, I'm going to be a servant and be a slave to all, and he's the one that actually is the most talked about. And so we don't have to try to be talked about. 
All we have to do is humble ourselves and decide we want to serve. God takes care of everything else, okay? So Jesus said in the scripture, he said, it's going to be different among you. So that means like for us, the church, us that serve, it's different with us. So what, it's real simple. We just allow compassion and love to motivate us. And so that's why do we lay hands on the sick? It's like why we do the things that we do. It's because we're moved with compassion. And, and, and if we do that, we're good. Now, as we get into, that was just some of the things that are false indicators. As we're getting ready to get into some things that are indicators, like true things, that what pleases God, I'm, I'm not going to cover this one today, but I just want to make a quick mention of it, and that's faith. And so the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So everything we do, we do by faith, and faith is an amazing thing. It's a wonderful thing, and we want to make sure we're built up in our faith. So we, we, we're not going to put time into that today, but we're going to look at some things today that sometimes they can be forgotten scriptures. They can be things that we you know, neglect or things that we don't even know are there, unknown scriptures. So let's look at some things that uh, we sometimes don't know about or forget. Here's the first one, persecution for following Jesus. Now look at this in Luke chapter 6 and verse 22. It says, what blessings await you? And I'll read that one more time. What blessings await you? This is Jesus talking. When people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man. And so uh, I don't know if that's ever happened to you. And then it says, when that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets in the same way. So it's an unusual thing to do is like rejoice and leap for joy when somebody persecutes you. And I was not always a Christian, so I you know, remember the day that when somebody smarted off to me, I smarted right back off to them. Now, there were times and a couple times that instead of smarting off to somebody, I fled. You know, because sometimes there's some guys that they're so big if you have any common sense, you'd get out of there. So my brother and I, we were at the wrong place before we were saved. We were at a pub or something, and it was past midnight. And I'm pulling out of the place, and there's like the, the, the sidewalk, uh, the, the footpath. And, uh, and so there's like these guys, they look like we were in Youngstown, Ohio. So I think they played on the offensive or defensive line for Youngstown State. I mean, they were like shoulders like this, and they were this tall, three of them. And they were just mad because I was, they were walking on the footpath and I had to go over there to pull out and they started to run at us cussing, you know, and I had the window down to get some fresh air into the, into, I drove a van and when I saw those guys running at us cussing, I, I hit that pedal and I peeled out and I got out of there and I wasn't going to go with those guys because, you know, I wouldn't be standing here today, who knows? <laughs> So sometimes you just have common sense. But then, you know, when you think you can take somebody and they smart off to you, and, you know, you think you can do it, and then so you give some, you give some stuff back, you know, that kind of thing. Well, this is really unusual that when somebody persecutes you and everything, that instead of, like, going after them and getting one up on them, that you actually rejoice and leap for joy. So that's what Jesus said to do. So here's just a real simple blueprint for this because it says we get rewarded in heaven when we're persecuted for him. So very simple, like we live life with behavior that depicts Jesus. 
Because those guys were just mad at me for being on the footpath. I didn't get pers- I wasn't even saved. I wasn't getting persecuted for Jesus. But the only way you can get persecuted for Jesus is you have to at least somebody has to know there's something different about you. So the first thing is you want to live life with behavior that depicts Jesus. Then simply then it says when persecuted for that lifestyle, be happy and leap for joy. And why? It's because a reward is waiting in heaven. So here again, look at Acts chapter 5 and verse 41. It says, Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. And so you could see the early church, they actually counted it an honor that they could suffer for the name of Jesus. So that's one way to please God. Here's another one that we sometimes forget is there, and that's prayer. And look at what the Bible says about prayer in 1 Timothy 2, in verse 1. It says, first of all. So like, think about first of all. In other words, even when you wake up in the morning, first of all, uh, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all people. So it's everyone, but then it says for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a, a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And look at this, it says, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. I'll read it one more time. It's, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God and our Savior. And the reason is because he desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so this is something that sometimes we forget it's there. Maybe we didn't know it's there. We didn't notice it. Uh, but it's actually really pleasing to God, and it's good to him when we do this kind of praying. So I remember that uh, when years, this is years ago, we had Pastor Hagen here a couple weeks ago. He's ready to turn 80 years old. And by the way, I, I, I said this to him. I don't know if I told you guys this since he left. I told him and uh, his wife, Lynette, I said, you're getting ready to turn 80, and you came to us four years ago. If it's four more years until you come back, you'll be like going on 84. And I said, does this mean it's your last visit? And they said, absolutely not. We're not going to quit. We'll be back. And I, I, I love that, you know, uh, people that, that keep going like that. So with that said, so he's going on 80, but his father now has gone home to be with the Lord. But way years ago, he did a weekly prayer meeting, and the weekly prayer meeting went for one hour, and then right at the end of it, like maybe the five, ten minutes at the end, he said, before we go, we're going to do this. And every single time, we prayed for Russia and East Germany, because it was communist back then, and we lifted them up that the communism would come down. And so I have a friend, that, and he, um, he had doors into East Germany after communism fell. And he asked me if I'd go on a mission trip with him there. So it was before I was married, a long, long time ago, and I did. And so we went into East Germany, and, uh, and when we met the people there, they somehow knew that Brother Hagen was lifting them up in prayer uh, on a consistent basis. And so when we... Um, when we start talking to them, uh, they, they, they cried, and they said, 
every time I did this in the first service, it's unusual for me. And my father also raised us to be macho and tough and not to ever do this. But they, um, they said, thank you. We're free because of your prayers. And they knew that we were probably not the only ones praying, but they were so grateful that communism fell and, they, and Germany was being reunited into one. And so that was like one of the things that touched me in life, as you can see. And so this, this is pleasing to God when nations are changed. So here's a quote that I, I found, and it says that prayer is in a chain of causes which lead to a revival and is a cause which is as important as the proclamation of truth. Many zealously preached the gospel to cause people to turn around, but I have laid too little weight, but have laid too little weight on prayer. They preached eagerly, talked to individuals, and handed out leaflets, but to their surprise with little success. The reason why they could not achieve more was because they neglected the other form of support, which is fervent prayer. They forgot that the truth itself has no effect without the Spirit of God, and that's a quote from the Christian Assemblies International. And so there's the two elements. I mean, we go, but we also have the element of prayer. And if you notice the Scripture, it says that by praying, you can lead a quiet and peaceable life. Peaceable. Peaceful, I'm sorry. I don't know why I was saying it the other Quiet and peaceful life. That could imply that there's countries that are chaotic and they're not peaceful, but when the believers pray that countries can turn just like East Germany did. Not that East Germany was chaotic. It was, even when we went into East Germany, it was shortly after the wall came down, the military guys and all the guys with the guns, they still looked really sad. They looked really serious and really sad, but the Christians were elated that they were freed. Uh, but it's, it infers that we can, that countries, cities can be turned around by prayer, leading a quiet and peaceful life, okay? So we could say that prayer for those in authority can change things. And God himself says it will make a difference. Another way to say it, it pleases God when we pray for the things he holds dear to his heart. And so the shed blood of Jesus, that Jesus died for the whole world, what pleases God is when we pray because he desires that everyone would be saved. So um, we could, a simple application is that everyone can do this. So even if you have children and they're young, and we, you know, we had two at one time that were younger, and you know that, that changes your schedule, but you can wake up in the morning and pray this, you can be doing dishes and cleaning up and cooking, and you can do this when you're driving a car, you can lift up and pray for all that are in authority and do prayer and it's pleasing to God. So you know the Korean Peninsula, we're drawing close to the big summit that's going to happen in Singapore. And I, I think all of us want to see unity. And so uh, the news media in America says, like they, some of them said, not, not all of them, that, that President Trump should get a Nobel Peace Prize for this. And then when he heard it, he deferred. He said, no, the president of China President Chi, I think that's how you say his name, he had a lot to do with it. 
But then when you see the president or prime minister, I don't know if they, well, they call him in South Korea, he had something to do with it. And so like who, you know, how many Nobel Peace Prizes, but here's something that we probably won't hear the news media say, and that is like South Korea and the Christians over there, even Yonggi Cho. Now, if you know anything about David Yonggi Cho, he had the biggest church in the world. I don't know if he still does. And he has built, he built a prayer tower a long time ago, 24-hour prayer going for a long time. Now, we used, when we lived in Singapore, we used to fly through, uh, we used to do Korean airlines, and we had a layover in Seoul. And, and so we had to sleep in a hotel. That's the way they did it. So we eventually switched over to a different airline so we didn't have to spend money on a hotel. But our few times over in Seoul, Korea, we're up in this hotel way up high, and then all of a sudden there's a buzzer, you know, this like warning thing, and I'm thinking, what is that? You know, is there a fire in the hotel? And I look out the window and I see all the people, they're running to go underground. And then there's a voice, a speaker in the hotel room that says, don't be concerned, something, you know, this is, a, this is a drill, like a safety, you know, some kind of drill in case North Korea attacks, like everyone's going underground. And they, they have to do things like that. So, you know, think about living that way where you always have to practice going underground in case somebody's gonna nuke you or something like that. So you can't, you know, if you want to argue about this, fine, but I, I think, you know, that you cannot convince me that David Yonggi Cho and his church did not pray around the clock for the, 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 you know, North Korea to change. So they're not going to get nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, but they're probably the ones that prayed all these characters into the place that they're in. Like, how, how could a guy like Trump become president? How could, how could the North Korean guy come over the border and meet with the South Korean guy? How can the president of China do what he did? And it all came together, and you know what? It was prayer. And a whole, there's probably, you know, if it goes the right way, North Korea could be reunited again. And this is pleasing to God, Okay. So here's, here's another scripture as we look to the next thing in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. It says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And so that's just another, another scripture saying that we're rewarded when we pray. Let's look at something that also something that we don't always remember that's in the Bible. Here's another thing that God, pleases God, and that's caring for the needy and hospitality. So look at this in Matthew 25 and verse 34. It says, then the king will say to those on his right. Now, this is like picking up where there's people on the left and people on the right. The people on the left were not going to a good place, but the people on the right were going to a good place. So he's, he turns and says to those on his right, he says, come and look at this, he said, you are blessed by my Father. You are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Then he says, for when I was hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison 
And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And so this is another thing that's pleasing to God is when we have hospitality and we care for needy people. So we moved here, you know, around 12 years ago. We, we didn't at the time know that we would pastor, but we were setting up a corporation and, you know, everyone can come into countries differently. So we came up, we came in by setting up a corporation. We wired money over here and hired myself and I got a working permit. So that's, that's the path that we came into the country. And so we had, uh, we, we were going to do a Bible school. So Rama Bible Training Center and we did Faith Library Publications, Kenneth Hagen Ministries, to distribute books. So we got that all set up, wired money. I, I got, you know, everything's going. So one of the first things that we did, and we've been doing it for 12 years, is like down in Sydney, there's a branch of Feed the Hungry that Lester Summerall had going. And so we became a monthly partner immediately with Feed the Hungry because, you know, you think any ministry, you want to make sure you put something into feeding the hungry. So we've been doing that for the last 12 years every month. And so this is something that pleases God when we take care of needy people. Now, I know that Australia is a great nation, and the government does so much for the people here. Coming from the States, I can tell you that we did not get what we get here from the government, how it's set up. It's, it's awesome. But yet, even in this country, how awesome it is, I've run across people, and this happens to me, you know, we have Karen sitting on the front row, and she's really good at getting people saved. She's good at training others to get people saved, and they do a really good job at it. Now, I've, I've had some failures in my witnessing, and I don't feel like I'm as, as effective as Karen and even some of the young ones and older ones that she's trained. But where I feel like my, what I've done is I'll go out to a shopping center and even grocery stores, and, and they'll be like, I'll see somebody, and the Lord will say, go to the ATM, take out this much money, and go give it to this person, you know, and so I did it down at the Woolies here, uh, I don't know how long ago, and I actually saw that that guy had visited our church a couple times, and I, so I knew, I knew him what he looked like, and the Lord said, do this, so I went, and then I couldn't find him, he was no longer in Woolies, so I, I hurried up and went outside, and I found him, he was actually ran into somebody else from our church, and he was talking there on the, on the footpath. So I just went up and gave him one of those gospel handshakes and said, the Lord told me to do this, and he pulled me away from the other guy, and he said, I came here to buy groceries, and I didn't have money. So it's almost like he was in Woolies looking at food, but he didn't have money to buy it. He came across some hard times. And, you know, so even just being led, you know, to do something like that, this is pleasing to God. It's not like, you know, you started, you know, you're the one that started a revival and everyone. It's like these things are pleasing to God too. You know, God's happy with revivals and healings and miracles, and we need to continue to believe for that for, this, for, for uh, Queensland here. But he's also pleased with these kind of things. And so this kind of happens to me in, in grocery stores. It seems like, uh, I, you know, I, another time I was walking, and this lady had a couple, two, three kids, and they were saying, Mom, Mom, get this, Mom. And she goes, no, we don't have money to get that. And I could tell by the way that they were dressed that they, they were in that way hurting. So I felt led to just do this thing. I didn't have to go to the ATM, and I just went, and I, uh, I felt led to give this certain amount, and I just 
gave it to her and, and she said, why are you doing that? And I said, because the Lord said so. And I hurried up and got out of there before she tried to give it back. So these, these are things, and according to the word, it's pleasing to God. And I don't, you know that I don't like to talk about what I do in myself. I try not to do that. And so I, I know we get rewarded by not doing that. But there's various times that maybe a testimony or something helps get it across. So it's nothing big about me. It's about this is something that we can all do. And this pleases the Lord. Let's look at another one in Luke chapter 14 and verse 12. It says, Then he also said to him, Who invited him? When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So what this scripture is not saying, it doesn't mean that we neglect rich people, people of position and power. It doesn't mean that we turn our backs on them, but what it's telling us is to do something for those that can't help themselves. So we, as I said, we honor people that earn things. I was like four or five years ago, I was in the hospital, and the doctor, the doctors come in and I, he talked to me and I said, yes, sir, yes, doctor. And, and he like looks and says, you know, you don't have to call me sir or doctor, call me by my first name. And, I, and so I said, yeah, fine. But my father raised me to, you know, respect people. A doctor had to do, do a lot to become a doctor. They studied, you know, they, they, they earned those things, so we respect them. People that are solicitors, you know, people that went to school for all that, you, you want to honor them. So it's not telling us to throw them aside because, you know, you honor people that have that. But there's this other group of people, and what it's saying about this other group, they're the ones that can't repay you. They're the ones that are really hurting. And so it says that this kind of people, it says you will be blessed. And then it even says you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So this means like when we go up to heaven, we're going to get paid when, you know, like rewarded. And it's pleasing to God when we help people in this category. So just a, a thought here about it too, because we're like, this was written a long time ago. We live in a different time in a different culture than this. So we have a culture that, you know, sometimes we're so busy in our lifestyle, we might not be able to invite somebody over and cook a meal, but you know what we can do? We can take them out to eat. We can sit with them and take them out and shout them, people like this, and they might, they'll never be able to repay us, but this, these are the kind of things that are pleasing to God. And so, so it's another way to please God. Here's another one, and that's work ethic. Work, work ethic. So Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 23, it says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus. So notice there that it says when you're at work, working, you're actually serving the Lord Jesus when you're at work. And here's another translation, the Message Bible of verse 24. It helps us a little better. It says, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. So that's actually saying when we get up to heaven and when, and when it's time for our inheritance, we're going to be rewarded because of how we work at our workplace. So, wow, you know, like, so I said a little earlier, like, God, there's these two things that go on with, 
like there can be signs, like the book of Acts, Jesus arose from the dead, and there was like this great outpouring, and the, the, the known world there got turned upside down with healings and miracles and, and everything. It's like revival. So there, there's that possibility, and we, we should be thanking God that that will happen here. But then there's this other thing in the Bible, and it's like longevity, like lifestyle. So both things can go on, but this other thing is like you're at work, and you might work a job for 20, 30, 40 years, and he's actually saying that you are somebody that can make an impact, and the way that the impact is made is like you act like Christ at your job. So this is what it's saying. So there's long-term evangelism, but then there can be impacting revival, and they're both great, but there's both things in the Bible, okay? So it's, uh, what it says here is that whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not men, okay? So here's, here's like some thoughts about that. The creator of the universe, God, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's everywhere all the time. So think about that. He's got like some really big things going on in the world, but he's so amazing that he can watch you at work. That's kind of freaky, isn't it? Like God is watching me at work? That'll change your work habits. That'll fix some attitudes, huh? But that's, this, you know, because if he's going to reward you, he's going to have to be watching you to know. So, I mean, if you've been bad up at this point, thank God that there's forgiveness and grace. All you have to do is make that little adjustment and say, man, I, I've had an attitude. You know, I've had jobs that I hated. And, and I, you've heard my stories about some of the jobs I hated and, and how I acted there. But you know, once you know this, all you have to do is make that little adjustment. Say, Lord, I, I've been wrong up until now. I just received cleansing and forgiveness. And this day, starting tomorrow, I'll be different and I'll have a different attitude because he's actually watching and he has, somehow he has time to do all this stuff, you know, because he's, he's God, <laughs> okay? So, but then we have to ask ourselves, you know, why? Why does this matter to God? Why? And, and I thought, well, then I thought, you know, does he... You know, the corporations like the Fortune 500, does he care so much about petroleum and pharmaceuticals and car companies and all those kind of things, Apple and Google and all these big tech places? Does he really care so much that we work good at all these places so they can make their bank accounts have more money in it? Like I, somebody told me that I think it was Apple has enough money to pay America's debt off they have it in the bank. I don't know if it's true, but they I mean they, they sure got enough money there, don't they? So why would he actually care about how we work and our attitude? And it has to go back to what we just read because he wants everyone to be saved. So, you know, the whole reason he's telling us any of this is because we're like a living epistle that everyone watches. All right, so we could say that our work habits our attitudes and everything about us at work, it speaks much louder than us preaching. And one thing that people out there don't like is they don't like when you preach at them. If they're like really hard workers and they have a good attitude and like somebody, a Christian has a bad attitude and they're preaching the gospel and they're not doing their job and they're just like thinking, yeah, right, you know, what's, what's Christianity all about? Like, why don't you be quiet and get some work done? I'm tired of doing your, your part of the work. 
do your share. You know, you know what I mean? That, that's very easy for them to think that way. Okay, so it speaks a lot louder when Christians have good attitudes and they work as unto the Lord and they're, they're as productive as everyone else and they're Christ-like. So when everyone's telling gray jokes, like those kind of jokes, sexual jokes and talking dirty, you know, you don't have to uh, necessarily preach at them and say that's wrong because if they're, if they're not a Christian, that's just what they do. But what you can do is close it, don't really laugh, don't participate, because then they'll just think, well, you're one, of, you're one of us. You think it's funny just like we do. Somehow do something <laughs> that doesn't make you seem like Mr. or Miss Righteous, you know, but not partake of what they're doing. And that's just being Christ-like while you're at work. Okay, so that's long-term evangelism, and it's pleasing to God. So these are just some, some things that we looked at today, and I'm going to just put a conclusion on I'm going to invite the worship team back up here. These are things sometimes that we forget are in the Word of God, but they're very pleasing to God. So here's just a, some few final thoughts. It doesn't require dynamic and big impact events to please God. All right, so little things please God. Praying softly throughout the day as we work is doable for every Christian. We can all do that. Being sensitive to God on the behalf of needy people is pleasing to God. Being hospitable to hurting people is pleasing to God. And living a godly lifestyle and having a good work ethic speaks loudly to the unsaved. All right, so here's one last scripture. And that, this scripture says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. So everyone that's not a Christian, the ones that are out there, the Bible says walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. So whether we remember or realize it, as soon as we walk out the doors, there's people out there that can go to hell for eternity. So it says walk in wisdom toward that group of people because you want to make the best use of time. So let's, let's all stand up today and we'll pray. Father, I thank you for each person that, that here today, Lord. In the event that somebody's with us, Father God, that they're not in the kingdom, they haven't confessed Jesus as their Lord, Father, I lift up any person in that category. Father, thank you for speaking to them. Thank you for tugging and drawing their hearts. Thank you, Lord, that your love and compassion just falls upon them. Thank you, Lord, that you make it really clear to them that Jesus died and shed his blood. He was, went to hell, took our sins. He was raised again from the dead. That, that, that you make that clear, that they would see that and that they would know that they need Jesus as their Savior. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for making that really clear to each person that does not know you in this room today. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.